0: Welcome everyone to Authors on the Air. I'm your host, Pam Stack. We're proud to be part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Please stay tuned for my most fabulous guest. Be right back. Everyone, welcome to Authors on the Air. I'm so glad you joined me tonight. I hope you're all well, doing fine, and have lots of great books to read. I know I do. My guest tonight is um, a, a, just a very fine author who I happened to meet in person uh, at Mystery Fest Key West. I think last year. We'll have to confirm that. Um, M.E. Browning, a.k.a. Mickey Browning, is a writer of wrongs. And when I say writer, I mean with a W. She has a brand-new book out called Shadow Ridge. But let me tell you a little bit about her first. Uh, Mickey spent two decades in law enforcement. Uh, She's a Florida gal like I am. Uh, She loves to scuba. She is a dive master. She claims that this because she's doing research. We all know that's, you know... Bucky. And um, (laughs) I'm thrilled to welcome Mickey to the show. Hi, Mickey Browning. Welcome to Authors on the Air. This is your first individual interview, isn't it?
1: It is, actually, and it's my pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Yeah, I'm thrilled. You know, I so enjoyed meeting you at Mystery Fest Key West. I'm sorry that conference is now gone uh, because it was a fun little boutique intimate type of a conference, but you gave such a fascinating presentation on diving and how you, how it uh, interacts with law enforcement. Can you tell audience a little bit about that? Kind of go back a little bit and talk about that, that panel, that uh, presentation you gave.
1: Well, it was actually underwater investigations, which, um, Figured actually prominently in both of my first two books. I had an amateur sleuth, and um, she was a marine biologist, but in the second book in particular, there was um, a lot of underwater archaeology, and it is so similar to, uh, to underwater investigations, crime scene investigations, that it was just... It, it was startling how how close the academia is um, to the the forensic portion of law enforcement, and so it was something that I thought might interest some other people. And um, based on on the comments that I received, you know, it, it was because it's not your typical conference topic. So I just had a ball giving, you know, presenting it at that at that conference, and and. It was a pleasure to meet you during that time. In Thank fact, you. Fact, you came well, you up know, to me after
0: I know, I had told you how much I, I was so fascinated by what <laughs> you talked about. You know, it's it, and here's the interesting thing because nothing happens without a reason. We were in Key, Key West, which is you know like one of the diving capitals of the world. And um, in Florida, which is one of the crime capitals, with of uh, all the bizarre crimes that we have, particularly in, in Miami-Dade County, that you gave that seemed like s- that presentation seemed so insightful and um, forward-thinking for you, because not only was the photographer, you know, who is a, a, a sunken ship specialist, the the and the publicist, but many of the people who attended that conference. Are are Kongs, which, by the way, folks, that means they they are Key Westerners, born and raised, and they dive. It's a it's an everyday part of their life. So it was it was very smart of you to give that that and and it. I think people who live out of town don't understand that that's an everyday occurrence in law enforcement, isn't it?
1: Well, the investigation part is, right. and you know when you think about. Most jurisdictions have some body of water, whether it's an alpine lake or you know it happens to be the Atlantic Ocean. So mm-hmm. water, it, it it surrounds us, and you know if you, even if you're in a high and dry uh, jurisdiction, there could be a reason for you to have to either retrieve something from the water or um, you know look for a piece of evidence or. You know, unfortunately, most cases are, you know, body recoveries, you know, from Mm -hmm. from the water by the time law enforcement gets involved with it. So it's it's something that you may or may not have experience with even as a police officer. Um, right. You might be, you might have to confront it, but you might not be the one that's going into the water. And there are public safety divers. There are um, a lot of civilians who actually help out in this capacity because not every officer has the diving credentials necessary to do that. Um, even even the training for for that is. Over and above anything that an officer would obtain in, um, say, the academy, it would be a specialty position. It would be ancillary as well, because, you know, with very few exceptions, um, Miami, I think, being one of them, um, very few agencies are large enough or have the need for a permanent um, dive team. Dive right, and, right, and and so. It, it's actually most, most places have a regional or a multi-agency team that they employ for these things. And, and a lot of them um, have firefighters or rescue personnel that um, assist with this as well. Right.
0: Now, um, in your time in law enforcement, did you use your skills as a diver in that capacity?
1: I did not. I started my career in uh, Santa Barbara, so we had the Pacific Ocean outside China. of our back door, um, and then I finished my career in Durango, Colorado, and while the uh, we did have a, a dive team in Santa Barbara, but I was not a member of that team yet. I had really not developed my my overwhelming love of diving at that point. Um that took that took me moving to warmer water, quite frankly. I guess
0: so. I guess so. That that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. It's cold water
1: diving in the Pacific. And so um you know, since then is when I really, really developed my my appreciation of the underwater realm and um, have worked with some people who are on dive teams, but I was not personally on one myself. Um, but again, a lot of the same principles apply and and it's just, it's a fascinating career path.
0: Yes, I imagine. Um, so, let me ask you this as far as divers and law enforcement go. You said, obviously, there's body retrieval, whether it's from a car accident, a suicide, or a criminal act, um, or even an accidental death, uh, you know, that you're doing body retrieval. But wouldn't you think that the biggest crime would be stolen or cars that are ditched for insurance? I mean, oh, I understand that, that canals and rivers are, are just littered. With with cars,
1: they are, and in fact, the big three things are either a body retrieval, um, a, a vehicle recovery, or evidence retrieval as well. And oh, so, yeah. and you know, people seem to forget a couple of basic things. You know, if you're going to report that you accidentally drove your Bentley into the canal, uh, and you're waiting for the police to respond maybe you should be wet (laughs) right (laughs) you know just little things like that (laughs) just little things Um, like that
0: sure (laughs) how many how many weapons are would you say are recovered out of bodies of water i bet you hundreds of thousands
1: you know i i wouldn't be able to put uh, a number on it you know and it depends on the body of water too about how successful your odds are of actually retrieving it you know, if you have somebody deep 6 something out on a boat, you know, miles offshore, the chances of it ever being recovered are, are slim. But right. if you have somebody walk down to the end of the pier and throw something, um, you know, chances are, are better. Uh, canals don't have, I mean, even though there's an exchange of water, you know, things don't tend to get churned up too much inside of canals. And so... Um, but it's also darker water and harder yeah, you know, everything is found by padding instead of, you know, a, a visual spot. And all the creepy crawlies so, you know. down there. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. There there are hazards.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. I would imagine. Very interesting. Um, you now have a whole new series starting up. Um and you're under the pen name of M. E. Browning. You have just you are writing the Joe Wyatt mysteries, and um, I want to talk about this new book, Shadow Ridge. Before we talk mm-hmm. about the books on your backlist, can you please give us the elevator pitch and tell us a little bit about what is happening with Joe Wyatt and who she is, and where she came from?
1: Um, the elevator pitch is is a thing that authors always dread because you're distilling 90,000 words into, you know, a sentence. But Well, you goes. can
0: you can take um, as long as you want. You you have 10 <laughs> minutes if you want to give us a synopsis of your book. <laughs> you know, cuz I want to hear about it. I want to hear it in your voice.
1: Well, um really the whole gist of it is that there's a Colorado police detective who investigates a female gamer's claim that she's being terrorized by a misogynistic internet stalker. Um, but when the detective, Joe Wyatt, when she uncovers a link to a series of deaths that implicates the gamers' involvement, now she has to determine who's really behind the threats, who's being threatened, and more importantly, what game is really being played. So there's a, there's a lot of things going on in, in Shadow Ridge. Um, I once heard an author distill their book even further into Three words, and if I had to use three words, I would say family, um, loyalty, and secrets. These are the themes that run through this book in particular. But but actually, um, when I think about it, probably all of my books have a little bit of these themes that go through it. But in this particular one, the family, I really explore the relationships. Of people, the characters. Um, and that includes blood relationships, marriages. When you have law enforcement, you often think of your coworkers in terms of family.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: then there's there's friendships as well. And, and when does a friend actually become a family? And, and so how do you define these things? But then when we talk about the loyalty, that comes into play as well. Joe, Detective Joe Wyatt, is actually a second-generation police officer. Her father was um, retired as a sergeant from the Echo Valley Police Department. Echo Valley is where this takes place, and um, he, you know, made two vows in life. One was to his wife, and one was the oath to the police department. And so we also know that. Joe is, is separated from her husband. And so, you know, what, is that a betrayal of loyalty? Um, is it ever okay to break a promise? You know, so these, these are explored as well. And then secrets, you know, of, of course it's a mystery. There's lots and, and lots of, of secrets. So I just, I had a ball with looking at this story through the lens of actually three different, very different women. Uh, initially, when I started writing this, I had a really strong idea of what the story was going to be. But then I discovered that I had some difficulty actually getting the story on the page. I had all these images in my head, but I was trying to tell it just through Joe's perspective. And it took me a little bit before I realized that Quinn Kirkwood and Alice Walsenberg also had a part to tell in this story and once I realized that then I was able to, to get it all out Quinn um, is my gamer character and I don't know that I've ever written a character that was more fun to write she has no filters whatsoever so mm-hmm. you know we've, we, we, have a, we have a PG-13 warning on this for, for some creative language um, she, and she's broken um, she grew up in in California. She had substance abuse problems um, that she kicked because of a promise she made her mother. And so we get back to one of those one of those promises that we make in the stories. And um, mom is no longer with us. And um, she hates everything about Echo Valley, but she finds herself in. The location because she is actually earning her degree in gaming design, hmm. which is a is a real thing. <laughs> and, and you know, it's it's amazing when you look at what goes into some of these larger games. It's it's more akin to a movie where people have very specific jobs. You know, right. whether it's the um, world building or you know, the mechanics, it's, you know, it's, sure. people think of video games as just simply coding, and it goes far beyond that. Um, yeah, It's just so some of the parts for sure. One. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Right, exactly. So she was just a hoot to to write. Um oh, good. And then, you know, because she hates the valley, that sets up some conflict and, and some contrast to Joe, who, you know, was born and raised there, and it's in her soul. She She loves this place, and Echo Valley is actually based on a real place, and that's Durango, Colorado, um, which if you've ever been there, is just breathtakingly beautiful. Well, I think uh, I I told you,
0: didn't I, Mickey, that the woman who bought my house in Cape Coral was the medical examiner in Durango. Remember I told you that? That's right. Yeah. That's right. So so I knew exactly and... where what you were talking I can't remember the lady's name, because it was so long ago. But but yes, this is this is her um I guess her winter home. While it's snowing there, she comes here. So I um, <laughs> like most snowbirds do. Yeah. So I'm totally familiar with it. Yeah, interesting. Yeah it's, it's- you know six degrees of separation, I swear to
1: gosh. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. Absolutely. But, you know, it, I like to joke because if you were to probably erase 50 years of growth from from Durango and, and you know, cut the population in half and then squint, that's that's Echo Valley. <laughs> so I make it more rural. Um, I still have the animus running through it. And, and people say, well, why do you have, you know, an actual river run through it instead of, you know, when you're making it up? But I kind of, you know, pulled a, a page from Sue Grafton's play right. li- or playbook where, you know, I'm using um, one place to actually use it, but I get to manipulate things for, to fit the Absolutely. story better. And,
0: it also and I grounds, I think, the that, reader in the geography, doesn't it?
1: It does. I, I wanted to be able to place it on a map, but right. the other thing that I find that by making it in a, in a um, completely fictional location is I hope it erases the thought that people might have that some of the, my characters are real characters, you know, because i worked in Durango, I didn't want people to think that, you know, I populated my book with people that I worked with before because that is absolutely not the case.
0: Um, You know, this book is different from what you've written in the past. Um, The location is different. Um, How do you get inspired to start your story? I don't mean what is your inspiration for writing, because you either are a writer or you're not, and I already know that Mm -hmm. about you. But when you start to formulate ideas, I I would imagine either you have one idea or you have a whole bunch of them, and you have to pick and choose which one you're going to write on. How do you choose, and is it with a character first or a storyline?
1: Actually, um, I'm not sure that I pick the idea so much as one idea just won't let me alone. Okay. Uh, you know, you, you kind of, you know, something just niggles at you until it's like, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> right, right. Um, but in this case, it was, it, it started with an article that I had read about the misogyny in gaming. Um, particularly directed at women who um, were in the multiplayer games or who had moved into the design and um, aspect of of the community and how that led to this whole Internet trolling and doxing where their personal information was broadcast. And then that leads to – swatting where you know since that information is out there some kook could take that out and and um, create a uh, a phony emergency call where you know a woman or the victim of of this could be sitting at home you know playing sudoku and not realize that there's you know a swat team setting up outside of her right. home and and obviously you know when when be bad I mean it's right
0: those those situations don't end well a lot of times right for anyone um it's interesting um you're an organic writer aren't you Mickey you listen to your characters
1: I, I do listen to my characters I tend to have milestones um along the way I'm not a true outliner I can't do it um because you know two chapters in I'm already off um but I do know that certain things need to happen, uh, and you know, based on structures of a novel and based on the needs of the story. So I I go from you know milestone to milestone. How I get there is where I can really find the serendipity of the story, um, and and it's often when I initially wonder, "Wow, am I going off in the weeds?" That um, my subconscious has seeded something that later I'm like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe that it's, it's, it's there, you know? And, right. and right. so I, I'm often pleasantly surprised, you know, there's other days where, you know, you're just toiling at it, but, um, but you never know which days those are when you go back and, and read to revise and things like that. Sure. Um, so, yes, it, I I am. I'm probably more organic. Um, you know, I know that there's people who swear by outlines, and but I'm not so organic that I can just, I'm just going to start here and draft through. That's, that's right, not how right. I work.
0: Right, right. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the writer's toolbox. Um, you know, I often ask my guests on this show you know what do you unpack from your virtual toolbox to help you prepare for your writing day so what do you unpack whether Um, it's emotionally psychologically or physically you know what do you need to make your (laughs) writing day happen i
1: i first and foremost i need a cup of tea (laughs) okay i i always have tea next to me Um, If it's a particularly emotional scene that I'm working on, I will draft it um, by hand, you know, longhand with a a mechanical pencil. I, you know, I I rarely write in pen. I love pencil and um, break Hmm. out the old notebook because there's a different connection for me. Um, Yes. And oftentimes I will look at it more as a journaling and then I'll go back and I'll sit down with that and I will take snippets out of it at the computer um, but really I, you know, I, I usually have music on, it's always instrumental. It's, you know, because the lyrics, if if I'm listening to something and it has lyrics that will override, it'll short circuit my brain. Yes. Um, you know, and then I'm fortunate because I do have an office. Um, so it's where I write. Uh, I, I know that it, I'm very fortunate in that respect Uh when I'm really stuck, I'll take a notebook and um, try to get out in nature and, and find a place to plunk myself down and and kind of just work my way through whatever issue it happens to be that I'm hung up on. But, um, so let's I talk, talk about right a little
0: bit. I'm sorry. Go ahead.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I didn't no, mean to interrupt, ahead,
1: please.
0: Well, you said when you're stuck on something, I, so I'm curious about... You know, a lot of readers like myself uh, know what we heard the term writer's block. We know that term. Is there Mm -hmm. such a thing as writer's block? And if there is, what is it like for you and how do you overcome it?
1: Um, I don't know that there's really writer's block because there's always something for authors nowadays to write. You know, if I find that I'm stuck on a a story line um there's always blog posts to write there's always you know social media things to post there's always some way to put either the fingers to the keyboard or pencil to paper so you know i sometimes though that there's just a story nugget that you know you have to to take the you know hammer to and and just chip away at Um, but normally that to me means that I'm either not being completely honest about how the character is approaching something, or I'm going down an, a, a dead end that, you know, some part of me knows, you know, ahoga, <laughs> abort. Right, <laughs> no kind of right, um, right. and And so I'm also not always a linear writer. You know, if I find that um, one scene is giving me conniption, um, I'll jump to another scene that, you know, it might be one of the milestones and it might only be making notes about what I want to put in that scene. Or oftentimes I'll do a dialogue exchange between two characters and that forms the whole backbone of, of the scene that I write and then I fill it in. Um, if I get really stuck, um, I'd love to of research, and um, sometimes it can be a form of procrastination, and sometimes it can be exactly what you need to find that that little of information that just blows it all open for you. It's interesting because I've heard I've heard writers
0: say that, and I'm always thrilled when they do because it it makes me know that you're aware of your writing process and that the process itself will throw up a roadblock and say, uh-uh, no, this is not in keeping with what your characters are saying or you're, you're not even creating a red herring, but you're just kind of going off the wrong path. So I'm so glad that you put it so succinctly. Thank you. Um, oh my I, I want to ask you, uh, this is kind of, you know, it's different for everyone. Are you happiest when you first start a book? While you're writing it, or while you finish it,
1: oh gosh um, I don't know uh it's It's kind of like a romance, I suppose, in that there's always this first blush of of puppy love, and you wonder where it's going to go, and is it going mm-hmm. is it going to last and and that sort of thing, and then you know through through the middle, it's like, okay, this is worth the commitment, and so you just really. Focus on it, and then at the end, you're so intimately aware of your story and and how it's progressed that there's a comfort to it. Um, And then, of course, you know, all bets are off because then it goes to the agent or right the editor.
0: Then, but, then you're yeah, saying, uh, oh, you if, know, if only I had done this, if only I had done right. that, right? <laughs> you second and third only guess I... <laughs>
1: yourself. Right. If only I... only I hadn't kissed that particular frog. <laughs> right, exactly.
0: That's so funny. But I get it. Um, many writers tell me that they don't read their dialogue out loud. Do you? Um and in Let's fact, explain to listeners why you do that because I think this is really important. I actually, when I'm reading a book, and, and excuse me just for jumping in, and say, mm-hmm. when I'm reading a book, if there's dialogue that I like, I will read it out loud because it registers in a different part of my brain versus seeing it, I'm speaking it and hearing it. Does that make sense to you, Mickey?
1: Oh, absolutely. Uh, I find that if I'm having problems, even with a, a line, it doesn't even have mm-hmm. to be dialogue. Um, I will read it out loud, and often just that will re- make me realize, you know, how I can correct the cadence of that particular yes. line. Yes. Um, but at the when I am through with my first draft, I read the entire manuscript out loud. Good for uh, you. And... And it takes a while, (laughs) Um, but I find so many things, um, you know, the typos that you read over, you know, suddenly jump out when you slow down enough to actually speak, speak what's on the page. And um, I find it to be incredibly helpful, but you know, the other thing is it's hard to capture dialogue, um, realistic dialogue people yes speak in contractions they leave off words uh you know and so uh i have fun with with dialogue personally
0: good i'm so glad i'm so glad to hear that now here's my question to you about dialogue um you write both from the male and female perspective Um, after all you you have quinn and joe and then you have Corton in there. I so have... you Sorry. No, please go ahead. You, so you have male and female characters in your book and you have to write mm-hmm. according to those genders. Who writes the who writes better when it comes to the opposite gender? Does a woman write a man's dialogue better than a man likes a writes a woman's dialogue?
1: Oh, I think that comes down to the individual author, um, but you know gender communications is is fascinating as mm-hmm. far as you know how how people communicate in fact um, it's it's played against some women in in law enforcement because of how the testing was as far as like round table um, assessments and things like that when they went up for promotion because a woman might approach something by saying, has anybody considered doing this? And they'll explain, you know, X, Y, and Z. And then a man might have the same same exact idea and say, let's do this. You're and right. one is considered to be, you know, more more passive. Um, right. Forceful. And and yeah, yeah. whereas a woman might be trying to be more inclusive, a man's language tends to be more declarative. And so, you know, these are some things that come out in, in good dialogue, whether it's written by a man or a, a woman. Uh, and, and, you know, the choice of, of words is, you know, often um, gendered as, as well. And it's not right or wrong. It's just, you know, how... It, it is what
0: it is. Sure, sure, <laughs> sure. It sure. is what it is. It's interesting that you say that because I will tell you some of the best dialogue When I know I'm reading a book that's good, the dialogue will be – will sound authentic to me, but I don't need you to say, Joe said this and Quinn said that. I will know by who the characters are exactly what it is you're saying. So you don't have Mm -hmm. to actually type in he said, she said. Do you know what I'm talking about? You know, that I want the voices to be so authentic that I don't need you to tell me who is speaking, that I'm going to know because of how well you've written your characters.
1: Right. And, you know, it it comes down to word choice a lot of times. You know, how do you say good morning? How do you greet somebody in the morning? Do you greet with a grunt because you haven't woken up yet? You know, are you a chipper, you know, top of the morning? Um, And that's your routine greeting. Um, Do you just say good morning or hey or hi or hello? You know, we tend to default to, um, to habits, and mm-hmm. we form habits in our word choices as well. So, yes, you know, you can, you can develop characters who are absolutely um, unique uh, on the page. Mm-hmm.
0: It's true. It's true. Um, tell everyone where this book is being sold right now.
1: Uh, actually, it's it's everywhere. And for the first time, I'm going to have an audio book on this that should be released, um, I think any day, actually. So it's in hardcover, it's in digital. So all of the normal, normal places. Uh, if you have a favorite independent bookstore, please frequent them. Um, you know, they're having a hard time this year in particular. And, um, you know, even even one book could be helpful to them. So um, you might have to wait a day or two longer for it, but it's, it's worth it and it keeps places alive. Um, and you know, it's really wherever you want to, wherever you want to pick it up.
0: Very good. Can you please give us your website and social media information?
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, my website is very easy. It's M E Browning. And that's just dot com And, um, you know I'm available at all of the uh, the typical places as far as social media. I'm at Mickey Browning, um, or I'm sorry, Twitter. I'm at Mickey Browning, and then if you want to look me up on Facebook, I'm at Mickey Browning Author.
0: Absolutely, Mickey, I have so in, I've taken more of your time than I promised, and I'm so sorry for that, but I'm not because I've just enjoyed talking <laughs> to you and hearing your perspective as a writer it's it's fascinating to me. Um, the last time we spoke, we were kind of at a roundtable discussion, and we really didn't have a chance to go in depth um, at, at then, but thank you for being with me today. I hope you'll come
1: back. Oh, it would be my pleasure. This was I really enjoyed myself, and it's always a pleasure to talk with you, Pam. Thank you. Maybe you'll
0: come back and be a guest host one day. Is there someone you'd like to interview?
1: Oh, gosh, there's plenty of people that I'd love to interview.
0: <laughs> okay, so you know where to find me. Um, my guest, folks, is M.E. Browning, Mickey Browning. The new book is called Shadow Ridge. It's a very very good book you're going to enjoy it i hope you go and get it mickey you know where to find me tell me who you want to interview we'll set it up thank you so much for being with me
1: again my pleasure pam thank you
0: and have a good holiday
1: thank you you as well
0: thank you bye-bye listeners thanks for being with me and thank you mom and dad i'll see you later